Well, hello, friends, and welcome to episode 130 of the Burden of Command podcast. I'm your host, Earl Breon. Today's guest is David Horsager. David is CEO of Trust Edge Leadership Institute, trust expert in residence at High Point University, and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of The Trust Edge. David has advised leaders and delivered life-changing presentations on six continents, with audiences ranging from FedEx, Toyota, MIT, and global governments, to the New York Yankees and the Department of Homeland Security. His new book, Trusted Leader, Eight Pillars That Drive Results, describes how to create a company-wide foundation of trust. And that's going to be the theme of our discussion today is trust and how to uh, how to build that in your current team and how to foster it as you move along. This was a great conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it. So I'm just going to go ahead, shut up, get out of the way, let that stinger play, and let you get into this outstanding interview with David Horsock. David, thanks for being with us today. Hey, Earl. Great to be with you. Oh man, I'm I'm excited to have this conversation because uh, you know I, I really do enjoy your book and and for those who maybe missed it in the pre-roll there, trusted leader, eight pillars that drive results. Uh, it's it's a fantastic read. I love narrative books that have uh, uh, that that have a lesson in them. So this was a, a pleasure to read. Uh, but before we get into the book, I'd like to start you off where I start off all of my guests. When you hear the term burden of command, what does that mean to you? Well, I'm sure it's uh, not uncommon, but weight of leadership. You know, the, the burden of leadership is heavy. It's like you, you're, you're, you're uh, I feel the weight of, the, of responsibility for those I serve, for the companies I serve, for the leaders I serve with, but also for my own, my staff, my team. Um, you know, and I think for many that was felt very heavily over the, the last uh, couple of years, last year and a half of pandemic. Boy, has it ever. And that's been, you know, a real common theme, especially now as I'm talking to folks who, you know, are kind of in HR spaces and they're talking about uh, what organizations are doing coming out of the pandemic. Uh, I think a lot of that, that burden, that, that weight that you're talking about, uh, well, we felt it during the pandemic. I think a lot of folks are starting to feel it maybe a little heavier right now as, as we're trying to bring folks out and get them reintegrated back into the workplace and, and trying to figure out how that really works, right? We have a challenge, right? I mean, there's so many challenges with how are people going to office staff? How are we going to, you know, people either pay for buildings or all the buildings, em- many empty empty spaces downtown still, many restaurants. That we were just talking about a, a, big, a big city that feels like a ghost town downtown still. I'm dealing with something where we have a big event in Europe. Um, they want me there. I'd already, I can't be there because of some other things because they waited so long. But, um, you know, do people need to be vaccinated? Don't they? You know, all those kind of decisions and, and who you put there. And I've got people that work with me that are, are you know, willing to be vaccinated. I've also got people that actually are unwilling to that you're working with. So it's like, how do you how do you take care of your people and, and respect their views on things? And I mean, there's there's definitely weights ahead right now. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's uh, th- that's a big one, too. Right. So I'm in Indiana and, and today, actually, I guess yesterday is when the ruling came down. But they're talking about uh, the, the court ruling uh, in favor of Indiana University. Uh, they were sued by some students who, as you just mentioned, didn't want to have to take the vaccine as the university was mandating as part of attending the school. 
And, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, these things are literally getting brought up in the court system right now of what you can and can't do as an organization. And, uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting waters that we're, we're treading in. And it's going to be interesting to see what the workforce looks like over the next two, three, four months, right? It is. And in, in a host of other ways, not to, you know, and just the normal course of things, too. Uh, you probably... Uh, you know, interest rates going up and uh, people rehiring. I mean, there's so many things that play into it now. Uh, change keeps happening. So people have thought change was over. That's that's just, uh, yeah, in our space, you know, all we work with and deal with is trust, of course. And there's one great opportunity in, in change and crisis, and that is a fastest opportunity for a leader to build trust that is not first interaction. Their opportunity to build trust the fastest is in crisis. How leaders respond to that burden that we talked about, it matters more than ever. And you think about when was George W. Bush the most trusted as president? The week after 9-11, his highest ratings. So how we respond in uh, times of change and in crisis, it matters. Yeah, 100%. Well, and and I like that. That's a nice segue there because, you know, again, trusted leader, um, as I mentioned, it, it shares a narrative of a leader who... It's kind of just in such a crisis, right? Yeah, it, it does. And and basically, the reason I wrote that book, you know, my first book that kind of became the Wall Street Journal bestseller was Trust Edge and it came out of my grad work when basically almost no one was talking about trust and leadership, at least in business or, or anything like that. Now, a lot of people are talking about trust uh, with and without research, right? But that book was written to be, to be more shareable, usable, actionable, and really was written for a couple of reasons. Number one, People, a lot of times people think they either have trust or they don't. And the truth is you can actively build trust. And secondly, I wanted people to see, have some ahas in the narrative and then some takeaways they could use tomorrow morning. To, and, and the ahas in the narrative, like, like, um, just that trust is always the root cause. You know, many people think, uh, you know, in business, we often look for leading versus lagging indicators, right? Well, so people will say, what's the leading indicator to leadership? Well, the truth is, it's always everyone. The leading indicator is always trust. It, it, for example, you never have a leadership issue at the core. The only reason you follow a leader or not is trust. You never have a sales issue at the core. The only reason you buy or not is trust. The, the, you don't have an innovation issue. The only reason people, when trust in a team goes up, then innovation goes up and creativity goes up because they're they're they they're they're safe to share ideas. In a classroom, there's only one way to increase learning. There's only one way, and that is you got to increase trust in the content, the teacher, or the psychological safety or trust of the room. There's only one way to amplify a marketing message. You have to increase trust in that message. It's the only way it happens. You know, the only way to increase engagement, the only way to increase a net promoter score. We, you know, our research shows, and we put out the biggest study, I think, on uh, one of the biggest on trust and leadership out of North America, especially, but it's a global study. And the finding is you don't increase a referral referrals without with referrals. The only way is to increase trust. You talk about the diversity issues of our day. The, the the biggest Harvard Putnam study shows diversity on its own tends to pit people against each other unless you increase trust. Then you get the benefits of of diversity, inclusion, equity, and all these things. So, um, so we have to deal with this trust issue, and that's that's a that's when we start to see that that narrative shows the impact of trust, how it actually matters more than ever, and how it is always the root cause. And when we can see it against this. You know, we'll get to it, but that eight pillar framework, we actually are dealing with the real issue instead of just saying things like engagement or, as you know, I argue, you never have a communication issue. Maybe, oh, we got a communication issue. You never do. 
You never have one. It's it's a it's a one of these pillars, and I can I can talk more about that at some point. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, no, and I, and I love especially what you said there about the diversity and inclusion thing because that's kind of uh, one of the spaces that that, that I'm in and um, tying leadership and diversity and inclusion together. And I say the same thing. You know, when we go into these organizations and we start talking, trying to talk about diversity and inclusion, what you just said was was at the root of the whole problem is you have some people who have been told, you know, uh, the way some programs teach it, you're the problem, you're the problem, you're the problem. And there's this this breakdown in trust because when people feel that they're the problem, they also feel like people don't trust them because they're the problem. And they feel attacked and all that good stuff. And so the first thing we have to do is what you just said is build that trust, build that that framework, that foundation of trust. So organization can have the difficult conversations so they can talk to one another about those experiences and find out where the commonality is instead of just focusing on all those things that make us different. Then we yeah. can focus on the things that make us different. And build something off of that 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 special sauce, right? Well, and and in fact, the, the truth is, you can't have diversity in every way. And I'm not talking about color of skin, but or 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 things like that are common. It's like you can't if we all have different on a team. If we all have different values. If we all have a different target. If we all have a diversity of of um, you know, uh, 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 of of everything. That's not healthy. We're looking at mm-hmm. how can we um create a safe place that is inclusive and diverse to get the best of diversity, but have unifying factors that increase trust in the midst of getting the best of diversity. Yeah, no, exactly. I love it. That, that was very well put. Uh, very, very well put. Well, so, and what I like again about what you're saying is this, this drives on with a narrative, right? Because, uh, you know, and folks, I really want to highly recommend you go out and grab a copy of this book. It's a nice read. Uh, it, it's a fairly quick read. Uh, I haven't got through it completely uh, myself just yet, full disclosure. I get a ton of books. Uh, but what I found was I got about halfway through the narrative in, I don't know, maybe 30, 45 minutes of reading and was able to kind of brush up on the pillars to get ready for the show. So it's a nice quick read. It's got a lot of uh, great content, but that's kind of the basis where the story starts is uh this individual, Ethan, uh, is facing a crisis because really it, it seems, and again, I haven't got through the whole story, that basically his team didn't trust him enough to tell him that they were lagging behind on some of these deadlines, right? Well, that's part of it. And they actually just got, got, got they had a kind of, you know, a lot of the book came out of real life experience for me. I was in a consulting I was event. I had done a half day on trust with this big med, uh, this big startup, uh, actually education startup. But um, tech startup, and uh, in the afternoon we were going into the boardroom with the top fourteen people, and and one of them, um, you know, I, everybody was saying, if we don't get this this deadline, if we don't meet the deadline, we're going to lose everything, right? We're going to lose our funding, we're going to lose those, and and but we're going to do it. We're on it. We're going to. And they kept saying it so much, I started to not believe them. And finally, I said, everybody shut your eyes. Just tell me. Everybody says we got to get this done, right? You're going to get there, right? Yep, yep, yep. Oh, of course, of course, absolutely. So just in your gut. One out of 10, 10 says we're going to get there. I mean, probably, you know, there's a chance it wouldn't happen, right? In four months, I mean, there's a chance. So so one out of 10, where are you on this project getting done? Just just the truth, okay? First person, eight out of 10. And the CEO and founder were like, ooh, eight, we got to be higher than that. We got to have this or we're going to lose everything. Next person, you know, nine. Next person, a lady, maybe the most junior person in the boardroom had the guts to say a three. 
Mm. And we were able to deal with the truth, pivot quickly, and in essence, save the organization because she's willing to tell the truth. There was a safe enough place to, to tell the truth. But um, it was kind of a, a like this, this CEO in the story is like, oh, I didn't know they didn't trust me. And the problem is some people don't get it, but they can be trustworthy and yet not trusted. So yeah. he was high character and all these things, but he, they, there was reason he wasn't trusted. So really the point goes into this This first part just makes the case for trust. And then we get into the eight pillar framework, which, which I believe with passion and research is how you become the most trusted in your industry. I believe you can solve, you know, we work on six continents, everything from corruption issues in East Africa to work with pro sports teams to work with some of the biggest companies in the world from Zoom to Walmart. But I believe um, you can solve every organizational and leadership issue against these eight. And then under the eight, there are ways to apply them. And there's a, you know several of them I share in the last half of the book of how you can apply this pillar tomorrow morning, how what you can do tomorrow as a leader. So uh, there's, of course, more than 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 is just in the book, but that's a, a great start. Of, I mean, in there, I have a, the idea that we used to triple sales in 90 days. I have the idea that, you know, I used to, to lose 52 pounds in five months, uh, 10 years ago and keep it off. I mean, it's, it's act, taking the research, but making it actionable. So I believe you can solve every organizational leadership issue against these eight. Doesn't mean I know how, or it's easy. It just means when people get these eight pillars of trust, they get the, the common language that actually they can use to solve the real issue. And most people aren't, like I said, they're solving, they're saying, you know, communication or engagement or leadership in these big, vague terms. Yeah. Well, no, let's go ahead and, and, and get into those pillars. Cause I don't want to spoil any, you know, of the narrative necessarily. Cause uh, you know, I want to keep my, my goal on this podcast is always uh, to, to help you get these ideas out and encourage my listeners to go grab a copy of the book. Again, this is a great quick reference book. Uh, we may not get through all eight. We want to leave a little bit of uh, fruit on the tree for folks to go pick. But uh, you, you start off like, uh, and I think these are in not a, no particular order necessarily. The first one you list is clarity. People yeah, trust. let me let me just give let me give if you can. I don't mind giving the fruit. There's always more and deeper ways to go. People could come to our trusted uh, leader summit in November. They could there's they could read more of our content. I'm I'm happy to give as much as I can, whether people read the book or not. There's a lot there, and it's a really like you said that first part's a fun uh, book, and the and the second half has got takeaways. We won't be able to cover all of them, but. Let me just give you a rundown on the eight and then let's come back in any way you want to just say, hmm, how could you, what could we do about that one or that one? Because I've got, I've got, you know, 30 days worth of content that I could speak through. Um, <laughs> so, so I'll give the brief on the eight because yeah. this will help people have the language. Number one is clarity. People trust the clear, they mistrust or distrust the ambiguous or the overly complex. So anywhere you see complexity or ambiguity, you lose trust because you lose clarity. And most people think they're clear when they're not. Marketing companies, strategy companies, they think they're clear they're not often. Number two is compassion. We trust those that care beyond themselves. If I don't feel like you care at all about me, uh, or have my back, it's hard for me to be accountable to you or follow you. Follow you. And, and if at the very least, if you don't care about me, that's fine, as long as you care about some sort of mission beyond yourself. So care and compassion matter. And interestingly enough, the most uh, trusted person in the world to the most people is not Oprah Denzel or uh, the Pope. It's actually mom because she has this innate care uh, for others. Number three is uh, character. We trust those that do what's right or what's easy. We have a seven-step process for how you drive a culture of character. Every company is moving toward higher character or away from it. 
Uh, people think they learn character by 12 years old. It's not true. You can see what happened with Wells Fargo when they incentivized the lack of character or some of the corruption issues we were dealing with. Unless we stop police officers from taking those bribes or uh, you know, and stop incentivizing police officers, they're not going to stop corruption that's hurting the overall GDP of a country, uh, let's say in East Africa. So um, character matters. And there are some questions individuals can ask, of course, too, like, would you follow you? Or uh, um, is there any way you're incentivizing um, a lack of character in an organization, which can happen with everything from sarcasm to a host of other ways, um, especially when we talk about, um, you know, d diversity, equity, inclusion stuff. So the next, the next pillar is competency. We trust those that stay fresh and relevant and capable. For this reason, I might trust uh, Earl to take my kids to the ball game, but not to give me a root canal because of, because of competency, right? So in the area you want, if you're leading the same way you were 10 years ago, I don't trust you. If you're teaching the way you were 20 years ago, I don't trust you. If you're selling the way you were five years ago, I don't trust you. You've got to stay fresh and relevant and capable. That's why podcasts and reading and, and coaching and mentoring and peer group uh, is, you know, co-mentoring is so good and valuable and critical because we have to stay fresh and relevant and capable. The next pillar is commitment. We trust those that stay committed in the face of adversity. Um, if you take anybody that's left a legacy in your life or history, your mom or dad or first grade teacher or Mandela, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Jesus or Joan of Arc, you'll find somebody that that's trusted because they were committed to something beyond themselves. So if we want to come back to it, this is the pillar we'd find. How do you rebuild trust? Commitment. Um, the next pillar is connection, the ability to connect and collaborate with others. So what we found is, it, you know, each of these pillars has counterforces. So if I go into an organization, I see siloing or an unwillingness to share resources for the best of all. I know we've got a problem with um, with siloing or with this connection pillar. Uh, the next pillar is the seventh pillar is contribution, and maybe you should say it this way: it's contribute contributing results. So. You know, in this research funnel, in fact, the number one word that came out of the, this research piece was results, outcomes, performance. You've got to contribute results. That's why that surgeon might be compassionate and high character in a way. But if in an amputation, the surgeon cuts off the wrong leg, I got the wrong result. I'm going to not trust them. You've got to deliver results. You can't just have compassion and character. You got to contribute results that I expect or ask for, uh, especially in business or leadership or anything. Parenting doesn't matter. And the final pillar is consistency. We trust those that do the little things consistently. It's the only way to build a reputation is consistency. The only way to build a brand is consistency for good or bad. You know, if you're late all the time, I will in fact trust you to be late, You right? So this is the eight pillars you can solve against these. And when you do, this is why I say, okay, you know, it's never a communication issue. That people say this and they don't do anything. As an example, clear communication is trusted. Take the pillars. Unclear communication is not trusted. Compassionate communication is trusted. Hateful communication isn't. Uh, you know, uh, high character is, low character is, consistent is, inconsistent isn't. So when you when you define against these eight, they're denoted by C words, but they really come from a research funnel of these eight specific areas, you actually uh, solve the real issue. Yeah. No, I love it. I love that breakdown there. And, you know, what, what I love most about it is these are things that well you mentioned that they're they're supported by by research you know modern research these are common themes of successful leaders and leadership practices all throughout history 
you know, and and that's one of the things I, I try to keep bringing people back to on this podcast is if you go look at, at Sun Tzu's Art of War, if you go look at Musashi's The Book of Five Rings, if you go look at Von Clausewitz's um, uh, On War, these themes are all going to be present. They're, they're, they're just innate. These are the things that people want. Ever since we started building tribes and gathering as, as people, these are the things that we looked for in leaders. And uh, I, I love this list, especially, you know, clarity, because uh, to me, clarity, and, and you mentioned communication, uh, but, you know, that, that's one of the things where people kind of fall short with clarity is, is not being able to communicate properly or with trust. And that's why I love the way you put it. it even communication starts with trust. And the one thing that I run into a lot, and, and I'm curious to hear your experiences is, because I encourage, talk to your people as much as you possibly can. Unless there's a legal barrier, share as much information to as many people in organizations as you can so gossip doesn't have a chance to take uh, root. But I get a lot of pushback with, well, you know, there's just certain things that, that uh, certain people in the organization aren't capable of hearing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, trust, right? Because that basically tells me that the leader doesn't trust their people, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you don't create a safe environment and, you know, you don't create a space for for openness, then you're not going to have trust that leads to, you know, I, here's a, this is jumping a little bit, but I'm just thinking about a situation I was uh, privy to re- not too long ago. Um, the, the chairman of the board and the, the CEO had been life friends. They'd gone on vacations together. They're in a boardroom m- meeting and in rage, for, you know, 20 years or whatever, they've been friends, nothing so big had happened. But the CEO threw a clipboard across the boardroom in, in anger. And what happened was, um, the, at that point, that inconsistency changed everything. And no one in the room wanted to share bad news with the CEO again for fear of the wrath. And because they stopped sharing bad news, the CEO wouldn't know the truth. And because of that fear, um, started acting on what they needed to act on. And because of that, it was the beginning of the downfall of the whole company. And so that, that, that a little bit of a, you know, touch to what you're saying, but it's, it's just, if you don't have trust in, you know, the biggest risk, you know, I sit on a university board and, and I've sat on, you know, several other boards and it's like the biggest risk of a board is nothing other than losing trust. Yeah. Well, and we've seen it play out like in, in, in fairly recent history. I mean, uh, for those who keep track of such things, you know, it wasn't that long ago that if you said the name Joe Paterno, mm-hmm. it was glowing reviews. It was, oh, this is the epitome of what it means to be a legacy leader because he was there for so long. And then he had that clipboard moment. His was a lot worse than throwing a clipboard. Mm-hmm. But then his name really kind of went 180 degrees. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's that simple, right? I mean, like you said, they, they had 20 years of trust, but it's, it's that one moment that can just tear it all down. Especially leadership and where people are concerned. Yeah. I mean, you can have different types of trust. So let's take the competency pillar. Um, you know, um, the competency pillar, you know, uh, um, uh, Tiger Woods, high competency in golf. In spite of that, the character pillar was infringed on, and he lost 110 million endorse- in endorsements in two weeks. Now it's interesting; he went back to being high competent for a time, right? If you'll remember, right after that. But because he lost what what was perceived by endorsers as character, in a way, even though it's not like he's—I'm sure he's doing fine financially—he um, lost 
what um, is likely half billion dollars lifetime earnings because of you know that pillar, right? Uh, so uh, you know, so they they go together. So and and they also are some are more important in certain situations. So I, I might like my babysitter. I want to have high character. Uh, my pilot, um, in certain ways, their character it matters. But I really want them to be high competency. You know, yeah. so. Um, but in the way we talk about the trust edge or being a trusted leader in the book, you want to have all eight. When you do, you gain the greatest competitive advantage of all time. You gain the greatest possibility of influence and and impact. So um, it's worth taking a look at all eight because you can always solve against them. And by the way, they each pillar, I'm not going to get into right now, probably contextualization for our global work. But let's just take individuals and see what does this mean to you? Let's go back to that first pillar, clarity. Okay, maybe for the leader, uh, they're not trusted because they're not clear about the vision. Okay, but maybe the 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 manager is uh, people aren't trusting that manager because they're not clear about expectations, so people don't know what to expect. Uh, what about the salesperson? Maybe that salesperson is absolutely clear on how cool they are, how long they've been in business, the history of their company, and yet people aren't buying from them because they're not clear about the benefits of that product to me, the potential buyer. Maybe maybe the the teacher, <coughs> excuse me, the the um. The students, like uh, people wonder, why do the students hate that teacher? I mean, the teacher's got compassion. The teacher's got character. It turns out the teacher is unclear about the assignments. Because of that lack of clarity, the kids go home frustrated every day and they start to hate the teacher. In each of those cases, it was a clarity issue. So we can look at these pillars and think, well, so what does this mean for me? What does this mean? What, is, what does this mean where I sit? If I could increase clarity here, and, and also, by the way, the pillars overlap. They run together. You could say, well, I've got the clarity thing nailed. We were absolutely clear about the vision at the annual meeting. But if you're not sharing that pillar, that that clear that vision every at least every 21 days consistently because you lost consistency pillar, you just lost clarity, right? So you have to you know you have to you can use them together. Yeah, no, I like again I like that last piece. I think it was uh, uh William Urey that said just when you're getting tired of saying it, that's just when people are starting to listen. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> or starting to get it. I mean, you look at Horace Schultze. I just had him on my podcast. He was a, he is the, you know, the founder of Ritz Carlton, one of them. And, um, you know, they do those, I think it's 20 values every single day, every single day. Everybody comes in the hotel. You're, 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 you, you clean the rooms, you wash the, the linens, you set up for the banquet, you greet people at the front. You first go in and you look at what the value of the day and they repeat them every day. It's like people get kind of bored with it, snicker about it, make fun of it. Yep. But they know them and they live them. And as you know, many people that love Chick-fil-A say, oh, Chick-fil-A is known for my pleasure. Well, it was at Ritz-Carlton first. And the reason it's at Chick-fil-A is because of Ritz-Carlton. Well, yeah. And I think that's a great point there, right? Like you mentioned, like every day, like it's it, for some folks, it's it's kind of a joke. Oh, here we go again. But because of that level of service, you know, the, the clarity is, I would imagine if you don't live up to those you're going to find about it pretty quick. It doesn't just say, oh, you didn't do this today. No big deal. There's clarity and alignment between, yeah, we're going to say those every day. Yeah, you may find them as be a punchline, but don't do them and see what happens, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, no, I love it. And uh, so let's talk about competency for a second, because this is one uh, I'm really interested to hear your your take on this one, because I run into a lot of leaders who, who will, will use your term here, competency. 
they feel like they got to know everything. They have to be the the solution. They they just they they can't say, yeah, I'm not sure, but I know who does. And, and to me, that's a big key of competency is being able to also know what you don't know, but know who does know, so they can fill in that gap, right? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a couple of different things here. So we have, in a way, like I want a surgeon that's competent, but I want, I we also want the other pillars, which include like uh, under the compassion pillar, humility is a big deal, and and transparency is a big deal. So, um, so absolutely owning that you don't, you do not need to know everything, but you have to have a certain type of competency. Like we don't want to. So here, here's a stat from last year's uh, study from the uh, Trust Outlook, which anybody can have access to the our newest research all the time. Just trustoutlook.com. It's we don't make people we pay for it out of the institute, and you can you can see the research, uh, at least the white papers. So, um, but the the 92 of people would trust their senior leader more if they were more transparent about their mistakes. So this isn't just saying transparent. By the way, there's a misnomer out there too that. Uh, trust isn't complex. It is complex. In fact, um, people will say transparency is trust, right? Trust is just transparency. There's a truth about that, but it's not everything. Some of your kids are so transparent on social media, I don't trust them for a second because confidentiality is also trusted. So there's there's some, oh, trust is transparency and confidentiality at different times. It's just like trust, people say, oh, it takes a long time to build trust. It might, but in a moment of crisis, complete strangers trust each other in a second, if they're running the same direction out of a building, you know, so um, it trusts his confidence. It is until it leads to arrogance, then it's not. So there's some complexity there, but back to the transparency thing, 92% of people said they would trust their senior leader more if they're more transparent about their mistakes. They don't have to be perfect. In fact, people don't want this imposter syndrome. They want them. We Remember, we ad- might admire people for the great things they did, but we do not connect with them. We connect with them on their mistakes. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, okay. So, uh, trust, you talked about building and rebuilding trust there. Um, again, my experiences are, and please feel free to, to disagree or, or add more to it is the, the quickest, easiest way to build trust is to give trust. Like when people show you, mo- see you modeling that you, you trust. Now, obviously you don't want to just, Oh, I trust you and make it a hollow thing. But when you put the trust, so like using this scenario, you're putting some trust in the folks around you to be able to say, yeah, that's not my area of expertise, that they're not going to think you're a complete idiot and, and somebody that they don't want to follow, that, that you're given a level of trust, which in turn lets them know that it's okay to admit what they don't know. So trust kind of mm-hmm. builds on trust, right? It can. It can. Um, in fact, in there is, you know, in fact, in the first book, Trust Edge, I wrote a whole chapter on how much to extend trust to others or not. Because when there's too much risk, if let's say healthcare concerns or your children are involved, then to just extend trust, like you're saying, just, no, I'll just trust them with that. Now, there there, there might be more to it. So it's a delicate subject um, because you can, in fact, trust people too much and, um, you know, they can hurt things t- very badly. It is earned every day. And so um, I, I would say that's it, often, the truth is what you're saying is often true. Often the, the when you extend trust to others, the more you get out of them. And that's what I say in that whole uh, chapter. But it is something that must be done with wisdom and discernment because, yeah. um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it's given, he, he, interesting study of uh, 
a couple years ago in our research, we in on the U.S. side of the study, we said, "Are you?" What we found is basically this: you know how some people lead with trust, like they trust until you break it, and some people lead with skepticism. In other words, you've got to build trust and show it and show it and show it until I will trust you. Um, so they they lead, what I mean is they lead their lives with skepticism or okay, show, I'm skeptical, skeptical until you've built it over time, or I totally trust you until you break it. Um, it's it's um, the, both. One thing to know about that is often, like for me, I had a safe upbringing. I had great parents. I had a great family life. So because that, nothing happened to me, I lead with trust. Like I, I tend to trust people quickly. Um, there, those people that you work with that don't lead with trust, they lead with skepticism. Uh, before we judge them too much, often they had something kind of terrible happen to them in the first 20 years of life. Someone really let them down. Someone, I mean, all the way to, you know, it, it could be as tragic as a rape, right, or something. So, so the the good news for leaders is we have the same call and action either way. We can do what we can do to build trust. Whether others lead with skepticism, start or start with start with trust. Either way, we need to do the same thing. Earn it every day. And so, um, I often talk to people like, "Hey, people come up to me after an event. They'll have me sign the books, and they'll." They'll be excited about it. And David, I love that trust. I love that so good. I love that. Oh, I believe in it. I agree with it. Uh, my boss needed to be here. Or my teenagers need to be here. Or my spouse or partner needs to be here. They're not here. You're here and I'm here. And we can always do something about this. So that's what I want to get people to with trust is you and I can actively build it personally, in our team, and in our brand, in our organization every day. And that's what we need to do. That's why we focus on these pillars. And partly we need to focus on them because when we build them, we start to trust ourselves more. And that, you know, gives us this advantage of being trusted. Yeah. No, I mean, again, I, I love what you just said there. Uh, I, and especially that part about, you know, the different backgrounds. And, and again, you talk about these uh, pillars not necessarily being independent of one another, but all working together, you know, because that, that takes that, uh, compassion that takes that commitment that takes that uh, to wanting to make those connections because as you just mentioned most of us never stop to really think about those other people's different experiences and and different backgrounds as to to why they may have trust issues why aren't they opening up the way we think that they should and and yeah it's it's really it's those interpersonal skills uh, that come into play that set, you know, good leaders and great leaders apart from one another. And uh, I like that you mentioned that because it's it's such a touch point right now. And, and especially with the connection piece, you know, we talked about COVID. That's the one thing we've heard through this whole pandemic is connection, 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 whether, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, introverts are talking about uh, enjoying being away from the office and being able to unwind and extroverts are talking about missing the office energy and, and not being able to get that same connection over zoom. Mm -hmm. But I love the fact that all these pillars, the way, the way they're put together and when they come out are as interconnected as they are, because, you know, as soon as one starts crumbling, it's not long before the other seven follow. Right. Yeah, exactly. And they, they're very, are, are very interrelated. So, um, Yeah. I would, if I was going to leave some people thinking about this, I would say, hey, you know, 
obviously grab the book Trusted Leader. Maybe even grab Trust Edge. Maybe go to our site TrustEdge.com and find out where uh, you know we have a bunch of free tools there that you can do a self-assessment. You can learn more about how you can increase trust as a leader in an organization. But what I would do in a simple, if you don't, you know go deeper with us, or if I never hear or see anybody that's listening again, take those eight pillars, write them on a piece of paper or a napkin, put them next to your desk and think, okay, what's the real problem here? Is it a, is it a clarity? You know, think, first of all, people could think right now, they could think, hey, what are you doing well? People are doing things well. We're, we're all imperfect, but they're doing some of these, oh, we're doing compassion well, or we're doing this well. But then take one and underline it and think for the next 90 days, if I built that pillar with some audience, the people I'm selling to, my team, my family, some specific audience think what what that would really increase trust between us and that would that would really help. And then we do what we call how, how, how it, how, how, how that until you can actually do something today or tomorrow. So, ooh, I think if we had that more, um, if we appreciated people more, that would show more compassion. Okay, how are you going to appreciate people more? Well, we're going to be nice. Okay, well, I don't trust you yet. That's vague. How are you going to be nice? Well, we're going to write thank you notes for what they've done. Okay, how are you going to do that? Uh, until you tell me you're going to write a thank you note every day or appreciation note every day for the next 90 days, you know, at 10 a.m. tomorrow, you know, I don't trust you. you got to have a, a final how that you can act on. But that's what I would do. I think about, you know, even in this simple short time together, people can at least have a common language and they can think of, okay, because I, I, people can even self-analyze and think, oh, I'm not getting much commitment here. I think if I showed more commitment, that would, okay, how would you show more commitment to your 17-year-old and get more commitment back? Okay, how would you show more compassion to your sales team? Okay, I would do that, you know, and they can how, how, how it and start doing something. Obviously, we love helping, but um, for those just listening, grab the grab trusted leader and and start a journey toward this language that actually solves the real issue, trust. No, I, I love that. And so I got to ask the question because I'm sure you probably get asked this quite often. Um, again, making it very clear to the listeners that all of these are interconnected, but we know that people get easily overwhelmed when there's multiple targets on the radar. If somebody were to ask you, uh, David, I get it, but I really only got time for one on my plate. Which pillar is the one that you believe that that uh, folks should start focusing on and, and why do you believe that? Well, first of all, my answer would be take those eight, write them down and and just do a gut check. What one do you think is weaker that you could work on? Circle that one and start there because a lot of people know in their heart, oh, cons- we're inconsistent over here if I just do that or that. If they don't know where to start after that simple little quick exercise, I would start with clarity. And the reason for that is you know, commitment, character, they take a little longer. Whereas clarity, you can do something about it and see results in two weeks. Clarity of vision can lead to more, you know, more alignment. Clarity of your values can lead to higher character. Other pillars can go. Clarity of expectations can lead to more consistency across organizations. So a lot of times you solve for clarity and you start to solve a lot of the other pillars more quickly than you think. Plus, clarity is hard. I mean, clarity is because of it's, it, we can almost never be perfectly clear. First of all, because we have to lead in ambiguity. And second of all, because of time and change. People forget things and quickly and they, and so because time goes by and change is always happening. So we have to be clear again. We have to realign. We have to re, we have to over and over and over, uh, uh, increase to, you know, share to increase clarity. Mm, 
I like that. And I think that's, I think that's a good one to, uh, to kind of throw out there if people are having trouble because, you know, that self-reflection piece is, is really hard. You're right. Most people instinctually know, but we have, uh, human beings have this great knack of being able to lie to each other and kind of cover or lie to ourselves, I should say, mm-hmm. and be able to cover. And so some folks may have a hard time really being honest with themselves and landing on that piece. And well, clarity will help you find the real pillar, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I like, I there like you go. That. Ah, so, um, yeah. So with things opening up, what, what do you, uh, what do you have in the pipeline coming down from uh, uh, more research, more books coming? What, what's coming well, down? Well, last week I was in, uh, I spoke seven times in five cities in seven days. So, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, we do out of the Institute. The mission is to develop trusted leaders and organizations around the world. We have outside the research piece, we have three big ways we do it. One is I, I end up speaking around the world and, and we do tra- executive training and that kind of thing. That's that's the kind of inspire piece. Then we measure trust and close gaps. So we have six ways we measure trust in an organization, everything from an enterprise trust index to a simple self-assessment. And those those are ways we've, we've taken companies and shown one gap and saved a million dollars for a big organization you would know. So that that's the measurement piece of, of trust that people think it can't be measured. It absolutely can be. And it's the most important thing to measure. And then the, the last piece is, is kind of how we certify and equip people. So we have certified... Uh, coaches, consultants, and corporate facilitators on six continents, people that are certified in our work and they can drive it um, in, in everything from, you know, they're certified in companies like corporate trainers at, at all these big companies, or they could be independent coaches that are, that got certified because they want to use it in their practice and be a part of this amazing community and all that kind of thing. So those, those are the three ways we do it. One of the ways we support all these is our big event the Trusted Leader Conference and our Trusted Leader Summit. And that's November 1st, 2nd, 3rd, Minneapolis at the Mall of America at the Blue. And that's just a fun, it draws everything from deans of universities to presidents of companies to people that just, they want to, um, you know, build on this framework and use this to, to drive high performing teams and cultures on trust. Oh, I love it. That, that uh, sounds like a, like a nice get together there. Come on. Uh, no, come on. You gotta come. Just sign <laughs> up. TrustedLeadersSummit.com. We'd love to have you. There you go. We'll make sure that that gets in the uh, uh, gets in the show notes there, so folks can take a look at that. Um, well, David, you know we've been speaking here for a little over uh, 40, 40 some odd minutes, and it has been a great conversation. And and I know we just scratched the tip of the iceberg here. We'll throw a couple of cliches together there because <laughs> there, there's a lot of there's a lot of content here. And like you said, trust is 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 very complex. Uh, these pillars are very complex and and I love the fact that you, you acknowledge that, you know, I run into a lot of folks who either try to sell their books as, as cookbooks or leaders who try to use them as cookbooks. And, you know, leadership isn't cookbook. You, you've got to be able to personalize these things, as you've said throughout this podcast and, and really kind of pick them apart and figure out how they apply to you, apply to your organization and apply to the unique situation that you and your organization are in right now. Um, and I love the fact that you stress that and, and hopefully people get it because this is this is great information, great content. Uh, but given all that and knowing that we did cover a lot and, and have a lot of ground left to cover, uh, is there something that we didn't really cover that you'd love to leave listeners with before we go? Well, I'll give you two things quick. One is it's the little things done consistently that make the biggest difference. It's mm-hmm. little things done consistently. So if you only have high, any of these pillars inconsistently, they're not very strong. So 
character when only when people are watching that's not very high character compassion with only people that look like you you talk about the you know diversity uh, inclusion equity space i mean it, it's our equity inclusion space it's um you know that's not really compassion so consistency matters do things consistently that will help you build trust you know whether you're late all the time and i trust you to be late or you speak well of people consistently and i you know believe that then you'll speak well of me when i'm not in the room that consistency is where the power is the second thing i'll say is something we say on the farm where i grew up you got to do the work that that pile doesn't shovel itself those bales don't bail themselves and the, the corn doesn't cultivate itself you got to do the work and that's the same with trust people want quick fixes today there's been books written, written without evidence you can change a habit 21 days and some other things and most of that i mean we know a neuropathway takes about 90 days at least you know so you, you these quick fixes and 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 um instant gratification just isn't the way you got to do the work if you want to increase trust as a leader or as an organization. But when you do that work, you've just done the most important work there is to do if you want to increase impact, influence, and even the bottom line. I mean, that's that's what I would say. It's time to go do the work of building trust. Oh, no, I love it. I think that's great advice. As you were saying, it reminded me of uh, my favorite character from the, the TV show Parks and Rec, uh, Ron Swanson. He said, uh, never half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. <laughs> and there I think you go. that was great advice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. Love it. Well, so you've mentioned it a couple of times and, and we'll make sure it gets into show notes, but just so people are uh, uh, are caught on here at the end, uh, if they want to find out more about you, maybe reach out to you and your organization, uh, take advantage of those resources. What's the best place for them to uh, to reach out? TrustEdge.com. You can go everywhere from TrustEdge, TrustEdge.com. I did mention, you know, uh, trustedleadersummit.com is where the, the event coming up is. You can get uh, the book, Trusted Leader, you know, anywhere books are sold. You know, every book, Amazon, it's actually in airports right now. So um, not the, take the off, just like you took the off Facebook, you just, say, just trusted leader, not the trusted leader, but trusted leader uh, book. Um, it, 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 trusted leader, you know, is the book. So, um, but trustedge.com, you can find everything right from there and, um that's uh, been my privilege to be on with you, Earl. Thanks so much. Yeah, no, I love it. And it's been it's been great. It's been a great conversation. And I love the fact that you mentioned it's in airport bookstores because, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, depending on where you're going, this would be the perfect airplane book. Uh, so if you're traveling, as things are opening back up, make sure you check and see if, uh, if, if you can find a copy. Uh, you can't miss it. Like, again, I'm a big fan of, of design. And what I love about this one is is the color. It's big, bright red. Uh, not many books come in red color anymore, so it's probably going to stand right out and smack you in the face. So uh, I love it. Well, David, again, great conversation. I love what you're doing. I love the work you're doing. I love the pillars. Uh, keep up the great work. And thank you for being a guest on the show. Thanks so much, Earl. All right. And listeners, thank you for uh, being with us. Uh, make sure that you're doing all the great things that you have been doing, uh, rating, reviewing, subscribing, sharing the show. So my great guests like David can get their uh, message and uh, and goods shared as far and wide as absolutely possible. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns for me, burden.command at gmail.com. Just hit me up. Show ideas, guest ideas, feedback on a guest. Uh, if you just have questions for me, reach out there. Uh, with that, thank you all for your time. Really appreciate it. And I look forward to speaking with you all again in the next episode. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. 
We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.